Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Dylan James right here on JDF Sports. Brought to you by JDF Sports. Is that a bounce of Dylan James? <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but I did. Um, anyway, Tyler, welcome back to the back. show. We missed you last week, but we're glad to uh, see you back on the screen. How was your week of uh, bye week for the Packers? What did you do with your uh, free time this weekend? Um, I don't know if you could tell, but I changed my setup a little bit. The camera is a little bit lower than what a it normally bit. is. So I cleaned my desk, cleaned my bed, obviously cleaned my room, has some sheets done. I still got to clean my closet. I'm not going to point the camera that way. It's a disaster. Yeah, don't do but that. But try, trying to get trying to get some cleaning on, especially now that this is my last week before winter break. So trying to get some cleaning done, trying to get some ready for, for Christmas time and trying to get get ready for the holidays, I guess. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, if you are just now joining the show, thanks for joining this evening. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and also share this show on any platform you're on this evening, whether it be YouTube, whether it be Twitch, whether it be Twitter, whether it be Facebook. Feel free to share the show with your friends because we want as many people in here as possible to talk about the NFL week 14 in particular and what we're going to experience in week 15. There have been some storylines coming out today. Two of the most notable ones, one, Cole Beasley coming out of retirement, which sounds familiar. It sounds like somebody else should come out of retirement as well, which we'll talk more about in just a moment. But also Desmond Ritter is getting the nod. There were some reports coming out of Atlanta saying he was going to get the nod after the bye week. The bye week has come and gone, and it looks like Arthur Smith is going with the rookie moving forward this season after Marcus Mariota is apparently down with a knee injury and something that is a, he's called it a chronic knee injury that has not affected him up until this point. So I don't know, take that as you will. I'm not really sure what that means, but we'll kind of dive into it to see what our thoughts are on that situation as well. But let's talk about the wide receiver first. Cole Beasley coming back from retirement to join the Buffalo Bills. And he's joining a team that's pretty stacked. They've, 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 They've had a few losses um, since the beginning of the season that we uh, didn't really expect from this team, and it seems like they've come back to earth since their their very, very strong start to the season. But Cole Beasley's coming in, familiar with the situation, familiar with this locker room, and he's going to bring some really, really good wide receiver depth to this to this team in particular heading into the playoffs and to ped- playoff pedigree as well. What do you think about Cole Beasley coming out of retirement, Tyler? And what do you think this means for the Buffalo Bills moving forward? I mean, I think it's just a good veteran move. Get another guy in the locker room who's been in it for the past, it's been in it for what, four years, I think, before now? So he obviously retired, went to Tampa, came back, retired again, came back. So I think it's just good veteran leadership. Obviously, I think he's lost a step or two, but with how that wide receiver core has been, I think they've been a little bit banged up. Might as well get another guy in there, just try to get healthy right before the playoffs, especially now that we're in December, we're the we're in the final stretch. I think it's perfect to have somebody who has fresh legs and hasn't really played really the entire season come in, and hopefully that's another gear shift for the for the Buffalo Bills to try to take home the championship. Yeah, and also, you know, when it comes to a wide receiver going into playoff time, there was a specific wide receiver that said that he'd rather play in the playoffs than in the regular season anyway, which we'll talk about him in just a moment when it comes to these wide receiver stories that are coming out today. But Cole Beasley, yeah, going back to the Bills, I think it's a good move by them. Veteran leadership in the locker room. He has familiarity with Josh Allen and the way he plays. I think that having a slot guy like that is good for them. Fresh legs, like you said. It gave gave him some extra rest to rest up for the first 13 weeks of the season, or 14 weeks of the season, actually, 
um, to go in. He's on the practice squad right now, but they are expecting him to be elevated to the game day roster this coming up weekend, if not the next weekend. So he'll be there right in the thick of things for the playoff push, which I think will be very good for the Bills. They were looking for wide receiver help, and uh, Cole Beasley is there to add some depth to that roster. And, and speaking of another wide receiver that got signed, the Cowboys went out and signed veteran wide receiver T.Y. Hilton from the uh, Indianapolis Colts. He was there before. He was a free agent up until this point, and the Cowboys are adding some veteran depth as well. So this leads to my question because those two teams, the Bills and Cowboys in particular, were in the conversation for a certain free agent named Odell Beckham Jr. And Odell, as you can see, is still not signed with the team yet. He was seen at a Mavericks game, a few, like I believe it was a week or two ago. It was right after Thanksgiving. He was seen at a Mavericks game with some Cowboys players. Um, he's been kind of going around doing some free agent visits, and it looks like there's no contract pending or no contract imminent for Odell Beckham Jr. So with these two veteran signings that these two teams have had, which both of these teams, I believe, had visits with Odell Beckham Jr. What does this look like for OBJ? What do you think happens to OBJ at this point? I mean, I think it's still just one of those things where they're still trying to bid for him. I think it's very much so like a bidding war now, especially now that he's had that, he's had those trials, he's had that sort of time to rest. I think he is still just waiting until the perfect money situation comes in as long as the better team. I think... I think it's more so that where it's like might as well get some extra wide receiver depth, extra veteran wide receiver depth as well in case he doesn't decide to sign here. I could see him going to some sort of weird team like the Giants trying to end it there. But now with the Giants sort of slipping and sliding the past few weeks, I don't know if he's going to go there. I could see him going to just Dallas and just being like, okay, now you got T.Y. who's looked slow his last few years. I don't think he's really looked at the same explosiveness that he's had before, but it's like, now you pair him with T.Y., you pay, pair OBJ with T.Y. and that uh, Giants core, I think it's going to be really good for him if they if he does decide to go to Dallas. Well, if T.Y. Hilton also, he was underneath Frank Reich's reign in Indianapolis, which we all know that um, some of the playmakers there were not playing up to their level of performance that they had in particular before, uh, before Frank Reich was the, the head coach there in Indianapolis. But, I mean, yeah, with, with OBJ to me, it seems as though these signings aren't it's all about timing in the NFL. So these vet, these free agent visits happened with OBJ over the past two weeks. Nothing has come from that. But then the two teams, two of the teams that were pretty much top contenders for OBJ services, besides the Giants, go out and sign veteran wide receivers instead of OBJ. So this tells me one thing. OBJ is not healthy enough yet to play wide receiver in the NFL. He's not ready to come back yet. I think that his agent has been kind of quiet about the state of where he's at after his after his injury and after his surgery, what he's been doing in the offseason, what he's been doing this season to try to get back healthy and healthy enough to actually help a team in the playoffs. But it just goes to show that he's just not ready yet. He, he wants to be out there with a team to chase a championship, but obviously something is amiss to where these two teams that were bidding for his services have kind of said, you know what, we're going to pump the brakes for now. They might be still in the market for these players, which, again, if you don't mind looking up cap for, or um, over the cap for me, I'd love to see their um, salary cap situation heading into the final weeks of the of this season as well, because that might or, have something to do with it too, with the Bills and for the Cowboys. I'd like to see their salary cap numbers, um, because that might have something to do with this as well. But with OBJ, it's very interesting to me that he's not on the team yet. 
if he is fully healthy and ready to ramp up to a playoff position. And also, with his comment saying, I only play in, I mean, I'm only going to play in the playoffs. There's no reason to play in the regular season. I just need to play in the playoffs and I can help your team win. That just goes to show me that he was hinting at the fact that he's not even 90% yet. He's not even 100% yet. So I still have a feeling his injury is lingering. Yeah, it probably is too, especially when tearing your ACL in the Super Bowl, which is in mid February. It's normally like a, it's normally like a twelve to four, twelve to sixteen months. I think people really say for it, and it's really only been what, not even a year yet. Yeah. So it's like it's rough if he's trying to rush it. Obviously, you got to be careful, especially since it is his second ACL tear on the same knee. It's rough with that, but okay. So looking at the cap. Dallas has six mil in cap space and Buffalo has two mil. So. Okay. Cowboys have more space to work with. If, if the bills want to pick them up with $2 million, then try it, I guess. But I mean, I feel like there's still better wide receivers out there that are, that got released that are still in practice was that could help you a little bit better than OBJ. I think if you're signing OBJ, you're signing him for a, the playoffs and B because of his name. And I don't think getting a two mil from the Bills is going to be enough to get that name. And that's the big thing, too. You're looking at a player that, yes, name-wise, that that is going to be a potential threat on the field for defenses to have to cover. So, yes, OBJ did come off of an ACL injury, he had an ACL surgery. So he's coming back. He might not be 100%, but he still has that potential to be 90 to 100% of what we've seen before in the past, especially what we saw last year with the Rams in the Super Bowl up until the ACL tear. So teams would have to account for him still in the field. That's really what people are paying him for. If he's able to produce, if, if he's able to, you know, get touchdowns, then great. Awesome. That, that That's fantastic. But they're kind of putting him on the field to say, hey, watch out for this guy while we're running our running back, while we're throwing to Stefan Diggs or Gabriel Davis instead. Uh, I mean, I think that that's kind of what they were going to be anticipating with Odell Beckham Jr., hoping that he can be productive as well, especially if he's healthy. But it just it's very weird to me that he goes into these visits and there's no potential contract out there between his agent and any team that he visited with. That's just yeah. very, very confusing to me. Yeah, and it also feels like this whole thing has been like a college visit where he's like a five-star recruit again back in back in high school going to college visiting all these places and being like oh these this stuff feels the same and it's like i feel like it's been like that for a while and he's just trying to play it out but it's like no you're in the nfl like i feel like it's obviously it's a little bit weird because he is coming off an acl tear and he is still trying to play because he's he's 31 he's still fairly young i believe fairly young yeah fairly young so it's like so he's still like on that threshold where it's like he still could make make some noise in the playoffs, especially with a good team that's looking for another sort of ex- semi-explosive weapon off the edge or uh, just, in the slot. He just turned 30 in November 5th. 30, 30. So okay. 30, but still 30. I mean, yes, it's still, it's still quite young for a wide receiver, especially a wide receiver of his skill set. what we knew him as, especially yeah. with the Giants. We thought that he was going to be 10 to 15 year player in the league, um, which he easily could have been. But unfortunately, ACL tears and other injuries have hampered his career so far uh chris is chiming in saying what's up also um obj is as useful as a hockey goal i'm not sure what he's talking about i know what he's i know he's referring to but i'm not really sure the sentence structure there so um 
I don't referring know. to a, a joke that happened on at a, a puck off last week on Wednesday. So mm-hmm. be sure to tune in puck off Wednesday tomorrow night nine p.m. or nine thirty p.m. Eastern time right here on GDA Sports. Yes, so tune in for that. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with OBJ. I have a feeling he will get signed eventually, but every week that goes by, it's just one of those things that he's. Ha- I think he's having less and less options at this point. Yeah, and I also feel like we're talking about him less and less each coming week. When he when it's like it seemed like he was coming back, it's like okay, here's his max life, and now it's just like okay, it's slowly going back down. It's like okay, now now what's going on? Obviously, yeah. he got taken off a plane. Was it last week? Two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. Two and weeks like, ago. And it's like after that, it's like okay, what what happened to him? It just became, basically came completely off the radar. It seemed like. And also with with that, too, it seems like having a story like that as well popping up, teams don't really want the negative press either. I mean, I know that was just a a story that was kind of blown up on Twitter, on on social media, um, out of nothing. But at the same time, you're going on a a plane in public, intoxicated already at the beginning of a flight. Um, That doesn't really bode well in the public sphere when it comes to optics. And I'm sure that teams don't want to add that to their roster heading into a playoff position, especially those teams like the Bills, like the Cowboys, like the Giants, which the Giants, again, are floundering. But, I mean, maybe OBJ services would be warranted there. Maybe he would be best there because of how much they've been floundering the past few weeks. Who knows? But um, at the end of the day, I mean, especially with Saquon Barkley having that neck injury too, Will he play? Will he continue to play? Will he get injured to where he actually misses time in the last few weeks of the season? We'll just have to find out. But, um, yeah, OBJ is definitely something to watch as we head into the final stretch of the season because we just have a few weeks into the playoffs, which we were talking about before the show. I mean, we have four more weeks of football, uh, of, of yeah. regular season NFL football before we hit the playoffs, and it just seems like the season has just dwindled away. It, it really has. And I feel like I remember like being like, oh, it's week one already. Who's going to make it? Who's going to do all that? And we made our predictions. And now it's like, oh, well, half of our predictions are wrong. So, yeah, we'll talk about those predictions in just a bit as well. We, we kind of brought them up a few weeks ago. We were talking about division leaders and things of that nature. Who's going to make the playoffs? Uh, but we'll revisit that again tonight because the standings have changed a little bit since then. So we'll have more of a better picture of what it's going to end up being and see how wrong we were. Because at least, I know we were wrong. We were both wrong on the Denver Broncos because they have been eliminated from contention after Russell Wilson suffered a concussion this past weekend. So not looking good. When he actually started looking like he was Russell Wilson again, ran and got knocked out at the three-yard line and just didn't know where he was. So um, not good for Russell Wilson. Hopefully he can come back and make a full recovery from that in the – in the concussion protocol, I think it's about a week usually. But at this point, do you really want to keep playing him? Uh, I mean, for long term, especially with how much money they have in Russell Wilson, do you really want to trot him out there when they have a losing season already? Just let the backup play the rest of the year and see what happens. Let Brett rip. That's all I got to say. Yep. Brett let rip Brett movie. rip. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, and Chris said, can we talk about Colt McCoy looking halfway decent last night? After Murray going down, I mean, halfway decent would be scoring more than 13 points. Yeah. That would be halfway decent. But unfortunately, he was unable to get the ball down the field. And, and DeAndre Hopkins came out and said that it was his fault for the interception that happened or the fumble that happened um, towards the end of the game that led to a touchdown uh, by 
by uh, the opposite team, by the Patriots. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say he looked halfway decent. I still think Kyler Murray is a better option for the Cardinals, but obviously he's out the rest of the season, which we'll talk more about that as well. He wasn't yeah. on the graphic below because I don't want to have another graphic full of just quarterbacks. I want to at least talk about wide receivers, give them some love. Yeah. I so. mean, might as well. They're the backbone of the offense now. So. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Any, anyway, uh, let's talk about the quarterback situation in Atlanta real quick. Um, we have heard a lot about it in the past week or so. There have been some reports saying that Arthur Smith was going to make a change, and he finally announced it this week, saying that Desmond Ritter will be the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons moving forward, finishing out the season the last four games in this Falcons offense with Marcus Mariota out with a knee injury, apparently, a chronic knee injury, as Arthur Smith put it. And he also was celebrating the birth of his first daughter. So congratulations to Marcus. But it looks like Marcus Mariota is away from the team. Um, they have tried to make a huge story out of this, saying that Marcus, they don't know when he's coming, but they don't know if, he, if he's coming back, when he's coming back. Um, th- th- they're really trying to run with this story to make it look like Marcus is the bad guy in this scenario. In my opinion, I think that, yes, he probably did go with his wife to see their child and and be with her. And, um, you know, I, I know how big family is in Hawaii, especially. So, I mean, I'm sure that he is with his wife and, and taking care of them. But I, with an injury, too, and things like that, if he's on IR, um, you know, give him some time. Let him go with his family. Let, let him spend some time with his family. I, I don't think that he's just going away saying, I, you know, I'm going to go cry about um, not being the starting quarterback anymore for the Falcons. He's he's not that kind of guy. He's, he, ten, he tends to be the the solid teammate that you want him to be on any team he's gone on so far. The Titans, when Ryan Tannehill took over in Los Angeles, Los Angeles no, Las Vegas with the Raiders, um, backing up Derek Carr there. So, I mean, he's always been the grade A teammate that you want to have, even if he's not starting a football game. So I think they're kind of blowing this out of proportion. But... On the Desmond Ritter side of things, do you see Desmond Ritter? What do you think is going to happen in these last four games for Desmond Ritter? Do you, do you think that he's going to be successful? Do you think we're going to see flashes of what we saw in Cincinnati? Or do you think that this is just going to be a quarterback being thrown out there, a rookie quarterback being thrown out there? Um, we'll see a mixed bag of, of things and not really have a clear picture of what it could be as Desmond Ritter being the starting quarterback for the Falcons. I mean, I think it's going to be a mixture of sort of everything where it's it's a rookie quarterback coming in. Obviously, he played at Cincinnati, so take what you want. It's Cincinnati College. Like They've been okay recently. Obviously, the coach just left there to go to Wisconsin, so go, I don't know, Badgers, something, something Wisconsin-related. But, no, I think it's going to be a rookie quarterback coming in. I think it's a smart idea to look at, the, look at what you have, especially when you – are basically eliminated from the playoff contention. Like, obviously, you're still trying. You're still up there in some sense of being in the NFC South. But at the same time, like, do you really want to be in the token of mediocrity in quotation marks? Like, I would much rather just throw in Desmond Ritter, see what you have in him, especially since you you got, what, I think it was like a third or fifth you drafted him with. So Yeah, I think it was a third round pick. Third. So so it might as well go out there, see what you have in him, and if he's good at and if you feel like you have something good in him, then he could be your starter next year. Like obviously Marcus Mariota, I think we all knew he wasn't going to be there really long term. I think we all know he was trying to get that year that year in there should prove what he could do. And I think he's proven himself fairly well. Obviously like with the birth of his with the birth of his kid, a little bit sort of being like, okay, I want to I want to spend time with them, especially since like if you 
look at the Andrew Luck thing, like you don't have a lot of time as an NFL quarterback. You don't really have it. So might as well take it. Well, okay, Desmond Ritter's coming up. He's got he's probably up to speed because he's they had the whole bye week off and they probably have been running him at the ones. So I think it's really interesting to see what they have though, especially with this now rookie quarterback coming in with how Atlanta has been playing throughout the throughout the entirety of the year. Yeah, and an interesting qu- uh, quote from from Arthur Smith. He was talking about this this decision being made, and he did say it was performance based. So they they had a few games that were very close the past few weeks that they ended up losing, and so they feel as though having a spark in Desmond Ritter would be a good change of pace for them. And Desmond Ritter did come into this organization saying, "I'm not playing here to be the backup. Mm-hmm. I'm playing to be the starting quarterback. I'm playing to get in the room with the quarterbacks and take over." And, I mean, it took him 14 weeks to do so, but he's finally getting his shot, and let's see if he can live up to that as well. Chris is actually chiming back in. I did not see this comment before. He's chiming back in with the conversation of Colt McCoy. He didn't say he was better than Kyler. Um, he could be looking at being this year's Geno Smith, though. We'll get better as he plays more. I mean, you have four more weeks. <laughs> I don't know if he's re- talking about Colt or or Desmond Ritter, because he's talking about Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy has been in the league for... He's been in the league for quite some time. Yeah, he's been in the league for quite some time. I don't think he's going to be a a Geno Smith type, especially with Geno Smith. I mean, Geno Smith, we've seen what's happened with him recently. It's kind of fallen back um, to earth as well for Geno Smith the past few weeks because the Seahawks have been trending downward. Um, But, I mean... Colt McCoy's not a bad quarterback. He's not. He, he's been a backup quarterback for a reason. I think that he's still serviceable at times when you need him. But taking over the team and 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 being able to be successful with the Cardinals team, especially if a guy like Kyler Murray couldn't be successful with them, um, I, I just I don't I don't see it. And especially with the Lincoln Riley's track record of being. I'm sorry, Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury. His, I always get those two confused for some reason. <laughs> they look like brothers. So you have to look them up. Anyway, um, so with Cliff Kingsbury being the, the coach there, this is always what he's known for. He's known for having a pretty successful first half of the season, and the second half of the season, they just die. They just yeah. they just go down in a, in a, in a, a, a ball of fire, and they just say, well, next year we can get it better. Next year we'll try to make it to where we can make it to the playoffs. Um, but Kyler Murray going down with an ACL tear at the end of the season, towards the end of the season, it's not a good look for the Cardinals, especially signing him to a contract extension. Also with Cliff Kingsbury being on the hot seat, we talked about it a few weeks ago, him being in the position he's in, having an extension. I mean, at least for him, I think it saves his job that Kyler Murray went down with an injury like this because they can say, oh, it's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was hurt. That's the reason why I, we didn't win this year. So it gives him one more year, I think. But uh, it's it's that's just a tough situation. Yeah, I think it's that, and also the whole thing with DeAndre Hopkins being suspended for six games. I think that also sort that of saves his, that sort of saves his behind from the hot seat. But it, it's cool. I feel like Colt McCoy is going to be that sort of serviceable back, back, serviceable serviceable backup where like he's been his entire career. He's just been a backup for multiple different teams: Browns, 49ers, Redskins, Giants. So sort of bounce around the league for a while. So, but it's like, he's that Blaine Gabbert. He's that reliable backup. But when you have so, two very different sort of styles of play between Kyler and Colt, I think you're basically dooming yourself no matter what. I think if you try to get a backup, that's sort of the same style, like in, like in Baltimore, where you have Lamar Jackson as QB one, you have Tyler Huntley as QB two. They're basically almost the same player. Obviously Lamar is way better athlete in my opinion, but 
Well, Tyler Huntley can actually stay healthy, except for a, a concussion that they yeah. have control over. But still, Tyler Huntley stays healthy at least. Yeah, but they're both the same style of quarterback. They're that, they're still they are, that mo- mobility based quarterback. Whereas Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray, it's Kyler Murray can run. Colt McCoy is slow as like a five point one two forty. So you know, speaking of a, a similar quarterback, is Tavares Jackson still in the league? Tavares Jackson, I doubt it. He's I last I heard of him, he was playing for Seattle back in 2010 when it was him and Matt Flynn winning going for the number one speed. Has it been that long since Tavares Jackson's been in the league? Probably. <laughs> Let's see. I, I, for some reason, I, I, I don't know why. I just I just his name popped up in my head when we were talking about quarterbacks that are known for 36. Yeah, last time he was in the league was 2015. Wh- what? It's been that long since he's been in the league. Was was the Seattle Seahawks the last team he was on? Yep, 2013 to 2015. Interesting. Was, wow. The only reason I remember that was because it was him and it was him and Matt <laughs> Flynn was getting. I mean, yeah, might as well. But yeah, no, it was him well. and Matt. It was might him and Matt well. Flynn trying to battling out for the one spot for the QB one, and then it was just Russell Wilson out of nowhere. Like, yep, you're QB one now. Wow. But well during the. But no, no, I'm, I'm serious though. For people out there watching right now, did you know that Tavares Jackson left the league? Do you know Tavares Jackson actually just went out silently? Okay. I don't think like, most, I had no idea. I don't think most of the people know who Tavares Jackson was unless you watched Minnesota. You watched mm-hmm. the NFC North. Well, I mean the Sea yeah, the Seahawks. You saw him in the Seahawks too. And that, that was one of the places I know, know knew him for mostly. Was the or Seahawks. yeah, or the Seahawks. It was like the three or it's like you really did. So that's like what, four two four, six years with a yeah. three year gap in between? And no need to check on Jamarcus Russell as well, though. Um, yeah, good, good, good idea there, Chris, because Jamarcus is somewhere eating a hoagie on oh, a toilet, boy. like Elvis was when he died. Um, yeah, it, interesting, very interesting. Um, Tavares Jackson, I, I just thought of his name for some reason. Anyway, um, yeah, with Colt McCoy, you're not expecting him. He's not known for his legs. Let's just say that he he's, he's a long time away from Texas. From when he played oh, yeah. in college, he's nowhere near. He wasn't really that athletic in college either, but he could actually use his legs. He was a like bit. he was like the Aaron Rodgers sort of prototype. Yeah, where he could he could run a little bit. He's more so he's more so shifty in the pocket. But it's like as soon when you're hitting 36, 37, and you're, you're you've been taking a beating. Like I don't think you can, and you haven't really been known for running. Like we sort of been seeing the same thing now with Rodgers, where it's like he just can't really run all that much. And for some reason, didn't Colt McCoy go down with an injury in his bowl game or like the last game of the season for Texas? I think his senior year. I think that's what happened with Colt McCoy. And that's what kind of led to his career as a backup quarterback because he hasn't really had um, any starting stints in the NFL unless uh, when he went to Washington, he might have had a few games that he started. But I think that that was pretty much what Colt McCoy was after his injury. Yeah, so... He had a 2009 injury in the in his Rose Bowl as uh, I don't know what it was, but it and they like were it favored. Was I think Texas was favored in that game too. Yeah, because it was Texas versus Alabama. Yeah, and then he went down with an injury. I think it was a my, pinched it nerve. A, it looks like okay, okay, yeah. He uh, he went down with an injury, and then after that, he just wasn't really the same quarterback after that. Hmm. Interesting. Why do you gotta um, why do you gotta pull out my man Eddie Lacy like that? Like, come on. He's right here. He's right here. Yeah, Eddie Lacy's there on the wall. 
But he is also eating a hoagie somewhere as well. No, actually, if you've been, I actually follow him on Twitter. He's he's fit. He's like I I don't know what happened Eddie Lacy. I I don't know if he got if he just felt as though so I he just got comfortable in that system and he just decided to start eating. I'm not really sure if he if he got felt stressed and just started to stress eat. I actually watched uh, a documentary on this whole thing. So when he was younger, or like a few years before he went to Alabama, his house was actually hit with the I forget like Hurricane Katrina or something like that. Okay, and he fell in love with his grandmother's food because it was his comfort food. And in Alabama, they have weight coaches, and you need to eat certain things. And when you're at, when you're in the NFL, you've made it. You don't need to have these people on you twenty four seven about your weight, and it just sort of unfortunately well, ate himself that. out of the league. Yeah, he needed but for sure. Actually, funny story about this too. My mom met him. Oh, because cool. we got him signed at a card shop here in Kenosha before they went out of business. And mom was, I was at an orchestra concert. Mom was working and he was just like, can, like, can I get the signed really quick? Cause we knew the owners were fairly, cause I would go there once a week to get, the, yeah. get the cards. And it would just be like, yeah. and she was like, can I just get the sign really quick? Like I had to go to work. Mom's at the ties at this. Blah, blah. And the owners like turns to her left. Like, you're like, well, what do you think? Eddie Lacy is standing right there, just sweats t-shirt, sweats sweatshirt, just chilling. That's He's cool. Like, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. So. Well, speaking of card shop too, hopefully we'll get Mike Giuseffi on here from Sports Cards Nonsense. He um, and his co-host Jesse have a weekly podcast about sports cards, which we'll hopefully get him on at some point as well. He's local here to Nashville too, so um, hopefully we'll get Mike Gio on here and talk about football towards the into the regular season, maybe into the playoffs too, um, to talk about some card values and such. So, um, also Chris talking about Rex Grossman in the chat, Kevin Cobb, Matt Schaub, um, Chad Henney. Chad Henney is actually still quarterback. He was quarterback in Kansas City last, wasn't he? Chad Henney, yeah. Wasn't he the backup quarterback to Patrick? Yeah, I believe so. He played just last year, I believe. pretty sure he still is. Yeah, I think he's still in the league. still in the league, I believe. Yeah, he's he's still on the Chiefs. So he went to Dolphins and then just went to the Chiefs? Uh, Jags. So Dolphins, Jags, and Chiefs. He was on Jags from 2012 to 2017. Interesting. He actually remember, won He actually won the Chiefs a game, like yeah. last year, two years ago. Yeah, I remember Kevin Cobb, too, when we knocked out, uh, was it Mike Vick a few years ago? And Kevin Cobb came in, or Kevin Cobb was a starter, and then Mike Vick got he got knocked out. I don't know if you remember that. It was their, They were right in their, their bright green jerseys. Let it, but while we're also doing this too, let us know who your favorite throwback player is. We'd love to get you guys in the chat and kind of get in on this, except for, you know, besides just Chris chiming in on comments here, let us know who your favorite throwback player is in the NFL. Let us know. We'd love to hear it. So I know there are a few people out there watching still. Uh, Bruce Gradkowski as well. It's another name he's popping in here. Offensive rookie of the year in 2008, Matt Ryan, dear God. Dylan, we're old. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are old. Uh, also, I found the I found the clip. They are wearing their bright green throwbacks for the Eagles. It's against the Packers. Clay Matthews takes it down. Kevin Cobb has the big chunk of grass in his head and is knocked out of the game because of concussion. And Mike, that comes in for him. Dang. I remember that game. This game happened in 2010 too. Wow. Mike Vick too, man. He, I mean, he was with the Eagles. What in 2000? Started in 2010, 2008. Oh, was that still when he was in jail? I'm pretty sure. Because a rough patch for him. (laughs) He came out of that quick, though. Um, But yeah, with the Eagles, he played pretty well, too, for a year. After that, it was between him and Nick Folk, or him and uh, 
2009 to 2013, then he went to the Jets, then he went to the Steelers. Okay. So. Interesting. Um, Aaron Brooks to Joe Horn, then Horn gets on the phone. Huh? Not sure what that's about. <laughs> Mark Brunel, who says no. Mark Brunel's good, too. The Jags loved Mark Brunel. Good old Mark Brunel. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're getting sidetracked tonight. Uh, let's talk... Let's talk about the recap, week 14 recap, because there have been a lot of storylines that came out of this week as well. Biggest storylines for me, though, were injuries. There were a lot of injuries, especially with an injury last night to Kyler Murray. Season-ending ACL tear for Kyler Murray. Unfortunate, since he had just come back from, recently come back from, uh, from injury as well. When it comes to Kyler Murray, though, he was still winless after Modern Warfare 2 came out, correct? I mean, I think so. Yeah, I don't think they. That's rough. Uh, let me see. Because I'm pretty sure they didn't win a game at all in November. If I'm so, not the trend mistaken. continues. Uh, loss, loss. Actually, no, they beat the Rams, but uh, Kyler wasn't playing that game because that was see, see. So, so yeah, he's so no. winless still, as uh, as a Cardinal after a Call of Duty game gets released. Yeah, the only one that that it was close was against the Chargers when they lost by one point. Interesting. I, I do want to know. I want. I want to find out. I need to look back at this because I'm sure there. I mean, there are some people out there that have already looked at this. His win loss record after a Call of Duty title has been released. Oh, which I'm that, sure there, there are already clip. records out there. But the records are, are very very. The records very bad. When oh it no, it to is. those releases. Um, hopefully. You know, he'll be able to come back and hopefully Cardinals fans, if Call of Duty decides to put out a title next year, hopefully Cardinals fans are able to shield that away from Kyler Murray oh, because they, at this point, that's all they can hope for. They've already announced that it's going to a two-year cycle. So okay. Save that. But next year's the $70 DLC for Modern Warfare 2. So. Well, <laughs> there goes Kyler's season. <laughs> he is definitely not going to be winning next year um andy said i'm sure he would beat you dylan when it comes up oh. am i back i'm back Henry. okay cool um yeah. i'm sure he'd beat you dylan yes uh i'm sure he would because he's he's put in a lot of hours in warzone and i have not one two for me has been very very rough very rough not not a good game modern warfare 2 multiplayer however not bad that's fun not bad. Search and destroy. Um, John Suggs chiming in. Titans show up last week. Nope. John, I don't. I don't want to talk about this. Like in the, the first quarter, in the first quarter and a half, they showed up. First quarter and a half, and then guess what happened? Todd Downing decided to start calling plays that weren't <laughs> scripted anymore, and the shit show that unfolded was Todd Downing's fault. I, I, I don't get it. Let's talk about that before we talk about Week 14 <laughs> recap. Let's talk about the Titans for a minute because I was at the game. I was at the game. Titans were looking pretty good in the first in the first quarter. Let me tell you this. First quarter. Derrick Henry ran for I'm sorry, first half. Let's talk about first half. First half, Derrick Henry ran for 119 yards. 119 yards. In the second half, guess how many yards he ran for, Tyler? I'm going to guess 0. 2. <laughs> 2 yards in the second half. Derrick Henry, we were only down at that point by eight, eight points, seven points. If that, 
So you had a situation where you were trailing by a possession, a score. You go into the second half, the the Jaguars come out, score a touchdown. Yes, defense couldn't stop anything. The, the biggest thing to me was that the Jaguars were able to just annihilate the defense. The corners did not look good. The corners did not show up. Def- defensive backs were just not non-existent on, on Sunday. But you can't rely on your defense week in and week out. What have I said on this show? The Titans have to score more than 24 points a game to win. They need to score to win. They can't just expect to score, especially in this game, 13 points and win a ball game against a, a, a mediocre Jaguars team. You just can't let it happen. Defense, yes, they've had some injuries. Danico Autry went out, which Danico Autry's been out for the past, what, three weeks now? Danico Autry, it goes to show that Jeffrey Simmons, A, is not as effective without Danico Autry, and B, that ankle of, of, of uh, Simmons is not as healthy as we thought it was, or, or he thinks it is, because obviously... He's being hindered by that injury. He's been double teamed throughout the entire season. But has he been existent on the field the past three weeks? No, he hasn't. Because Danico Audrey not lined up on the line with him as well. The defense got cooked several times. But the offense has been cooked so many more times this season. And the defense has been able to bail them out. The offense this weekend could not bail them out. And that's something they need to address. Mike Vrabel came out this week and was asked during the Mike Vrabel show last night, do you expect to make any coaching changes? What's your idea? You said you would do anything to fix this team right now. You, you would consider all options to fix this team right now. Would you make a coaching change in that scenario? Mike Vrabel said, I will evaluate the coaching staff at the end of the season. I will not make a coaching change in the middle of the season, we're not thinking that. We are going to make changes, if we need to, in the off season. So you're going to ride with a guy named Todd Downing, who has the most vanilla game plan. And the thing is, too, he had some good plays scripted out in the first quarter and a half, like I said. The first quarter and a half, good on you, Todd Downing. You actually scored points. Great. But then what happened the, last, the two and a half other quarters that you were out there? Your play calling on the fly doesn't work. The Ryan Tannehill drive that led them to their last touchdown in that game when they were down 22 points, guess who was calling the plays in that one? It was the hurry-up offense, so Ryan Tannehill was calling the plays. So are you telling me that a guy that's your quarterback is a better play caller than your offensive coordinator? How does he have a job? Why is he still there? You have four more games to go in this season. You have a two-game lead in the AFC South with the Jaguars breathing down your neck. The Jacksonville Jaguars breathing down your neck. And you're not going to make a change? You're going to keep Dennis Daly out there as your left tackle? Who has given up the most quarterback pressures in the league? He is the worst-ranked left tackle in the league this season, Dennis Daly. Why is he out there still? Why does he continue to be trotted out there as if you have no other options? 
You have other options on the roster. You have other practice squads you can pull from in the league. You have 31 to be exact. 31 player practice squads. You can find a left tackle and try him out. See what happens. LaRaven Clark was a guy that was signed to be a backup tackle on this team. Where's he been at? On the sideline. You had Jamarco Jones, who was signed to be a tackle. Where's he been at? IR. Doing God knows what. You have Dennis Dylan, Dylan Radens, who was drafted just in 2021, last year? 2021, drafted. Where's he been? He played left guard for a few games. Not even tried at left tackle. The position he played at North Dakota State with Trey Lance. So you have options. The offensive line is, yes, one of the biggest reasons why your offense can't get going. But at the same time, you have a play caller who cannot overcome your personnel issues, which we've seen happen in other organizations. What happened with the Bengals last year? They went 10-7. and and they went to the playoffs. And they almost won the Super Bowl. They, were, they went to the Super Bowl with a deficient offensive line. Like, teams adapt to who you have. Mike Vrabel typically adapts to who he has on the roster. That's the reason why he was the coach of the year last year. He was a, his, him and his staff were able to adapt with the roster they had, even though their offense was nothing like it was three seasons ago. Three seasons ago, they were one of the best offenses in the league. One of the most efficient offenses in the league. But then now they're in the gutter because of Todd Downing after Arthur Smith left? It just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to me. But Todd Downing, if he is the offensive coordinator going into next season, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Mike Vrabel's head is going to be on the chopping block. Unfortunately, we've seen that scenario happen. They were The Titans were able, Amy Adams Strunk was able to go into this organization after the Eagles game and make the change that she could in firing the GM. Even though the GM in this scenario wouldn't be affecting the last five weeks of the season anyway. He's not doing much. He'll sign a practice squad player here and there, whatever. He's not going to be doing anything. But she was able to go in there and make that decision. So at a certain point, Amy Adams, even though she's not the one who's going to be firing said offensive coordinator Todd Downing, but she can at least have the conversation with Mike Vrabel and say, guess what? You need to make a change. You have a guy in-house that you wanted to interview two years ago named Tim Kelly, who was the offensive coordinator for the Texans. And he's in-house right now as the passing game coordinator. Put him in that position. No ifs, ands, buts about it. Put him in the position to be offensive coordinator for the last four games of the season and see what happens. And then next year, guess what? If you don't like what Tim Kelly does, go out and find an offensive coordinator in the offseason. Oh, psh. I mean, like, it's not rocket science, Tyler. It's not rocket science. And my apologies for spending the past eight minutes talking about the Tennessee Titans. But it just, it, it needs, something needs to change. Something needs to change. <sighs> let's uh, look at these comments real quick since uh, we were kind of going through all this. Um, John Suggs. Rumor that had Crown Royal in those Gatorade coolers. Well, Todd Downey did have one of his best play-calling games against the Green Bay Packers, and then when he got home that night, he got pulled over for a DUI. So 
I would not be surprised if there was some crown royal in there. Did he get pulled um, over in Wisconsin or Tennessee? He got pulled over in Tennessee. Oh, I was really hoping it was just going to be Wisconsin. It was with Tennessee place. Just like thinking he could get away with it in Wisconsin. What do you mean? No, no, he got he got pulled over in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, on his way home from the airport. And so that kind of went into, and also there was an investigation about them drinking on the plane potentially, but I haven't heard much about that investigation. I'm assuming it's still going on. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but anyway, um, John said, what I say about consistency? Yes, you're right. Uh, Chris said, bigger disappointment this season for Dylan Titans or the meow machine predators. John Suggs says definitely the Titans, which John and Chris, uh, Chris will be there, but John, tune in tomorrow night because I have some things to say about the Predators and their handling of a certain player named Ellie Tolvanen. That's who I have to talk about tomorrow night. Um, John also says, oh no, got one worse and still the OC, Matt freaking horrible Patricia. He's bad. I feel bad. I feel bad for the Patriots. He's bad. He's very bad. Here's the thing though that I think is funny. Last time he was on the Patriots before he got before he got signed with the Lions, he wasn't an offensive coordinator. He was their defensive coordinator. And now he's automatically their offensive coordinator. And he got hired as the head coach of the Detroit Lions because of his defense. Yep. Which Yeah. Well, again, Bill Belichick wants to make his coaches well-rounded. And I, I think he feels as though Matt Patricia does deserve to have a head coaching job at a certain point, but he's just not there yet. He hasn't developed yet, so he's like, oh, I'll just throw you in the offensive coordinator position, get you some some experience as an offensive coordinator. I'm sure they were hoping it was going to be better than what they, what they put on the field so far, um, but get some experience that way and then kind of push him into a uh, head coaching position somewhere else, either this coming up season or the next season. I mean, this is the thing though. When most of your coaches have negative win, have less than a five hundred win loss that come from your coaching tree, I think that's a little bit bad. Yeah, not the best. Um, yeah, Mike Vrabel is probably one of the best coaches that Vrabel, Vrabel, and Bill O'Brien, I think, are probably the two best ones. Well, and also, um, what's his name from the Dolphins last year? Oh, Brian Flores. Yeah, Brian, Brian Flores. Flores too. Like Brian probably Flores like the best well. three, but it's like all those were like former players too. They weren't just pure coaches. Whereas Matt Patricia is a pure coach. Uh, yep. Josh McDaniels, I believe, is a pure coach. Like, whereas most of those guys, I think Bill O'Brien is the only one that was just a pure coach. I believe. I don't think he really played in the pros. Also, could be um, just me. If he had played in the pros, it wasn't it wasn't very much. I don't think he played that long. Yeah, but it. I'm just like, oh, he's in, I didn't realize he was on. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, he did play. He so he did play. He played for Brown, Brown University. Okay. In the, in 90s, the NFL, ninety to ninety two, and nothing in the NFL it looks like. Oh, so there you go. Just played at Brown. But one thing I didn't know is that he is currently the offensive coordinator in Alabama. Mm-hmm. So he is. He is. They're working him up the tree as well. That's what Nick Saban does too in college football. He he trains them back up. He, he brings in the wounded birds. He says, come on in here, guys. I'll fix you back up and punch you over to a new team so you'll be successful. That's what he does. Yeah. Um, it was very interesting. There was actually an ESPN, I think, 30 for 30, talking about the Alabama coaching situation. They have uh, the meeting room they have with all of the coaches they have there and the assistants and such. There is the infield, which is the table, where it has like the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all of the main 
coordinators, main assistants, and there's the outfield, which are chairs that are set up on the outside of the room, not at the table. It's, it's, it's fascinating. So if you haven't seen it yet, go see it because it's actually really, really good. Uh, I didn't watch all of it yet. I, I'm still going through it, but the first part I saw was, was really, really good. So definitely check it out. Um, Chris saying, you know who else was seeing on the sidelines? Ellie Tolvin. Yeah, yeah. Now he's with the Seattle Kraken. Um, John says, just stay away from the bridges ne- next year. Going to laugh. He is there again next year. Listen, John, I, I, I don't think they're going to be there. Ne- I don't think he's going to be here next year. I don't think so. I think that, again, Mike Vrabel wanted Tim Kelly from the Bron- from the um, the Texans two years ago when this position opened up with Arthur Smith going to Atlanta. And they said no. They said, we're not going to give you the option to interview him. He, they wanted to stay. They want him to stay there in the Texans organization. They said, fine. And then two years later, that's when they say, we're going to let you go. And that's when he came over to the Titans as a passing game coordinator. So that's, that got him into the building. Um, and that's the reason why I think Tim Kelly is probably the guy next year. But we'll see. And he said, man, you had Dylan Fuming. John said, it's my job. Uh, John also said, Bill O'Brien is going to... Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech next next head coach. Just a birdie told me. I could see that. I could see him going to Georgia Tech. That'd be a good place for him. Yeah. Georgia Tech has always been one of those teams that like they they knock on the door, not very loudly, but they still knock on the door every once in a while. Like we could be something here, and just never panned out. So I think Bill O'Brien would be a good choice, actually. Yeah. Interesting. Um, let's look at these uh, week fourteen games that happened injury wise we're kind of going through the litany list here quarterbacks were very injured this week we talked about russell wilson earlier kyler murray going down with an ankle injury we also have kenny pickett who went down with a concussion he's in concussion protocol and um, brock purdy actually injured his oblique slash ribs in the game this past weekend against tom brady and the buccaneers however he went out twice in that game and still came back and finished the game. Are you that talking about? Just, I mean, are you he's just Brock a tough Purdy or player. Mike White? Because I know Mike White got killed yesterday. I, think I don't Brock see Purdy him on here. Still, I think. Oh, Mike. Mike White still got injured too. You know what? I think I might be talking about Mike White. Maybe so. Um, but Brock Purdy That's played really well against the Patriots. Yeah, Mike White. There you go. I think it was Mike White. Brock Purdy played played well against Patriots, but Mike White still got injured, and he is. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. I just looked up, and he said he's. The doctor said he's good to go. Okay. Well, so, or good waiting on Doc's clearance. So. Hmm. For some reason, I thought it was Brock, Brock Purdy too. I mean, they're they're very similar. They're very yeah. similar looking. I'll need to see. I saw Brock Purdy's name in the injury list. Anyway, um, so those injuries happened this weekend. We also had running backs go down with injury too. Ramondre Stevenson, the starting running back there in the New England Patriots, he went down with an ankle injury. Josh Jacobs went down with a quadricep and calf injury. Um, we'll see how that goes with Josh Jacobs moving forward. Um, and Damian Pierce for the Texans, who was the starting quarterback there, the rookie out of the Texans, he uh, had an ankle injury in that game. Um, against the Cowboys and three wide receivers, Devontae Parker, concussion. I mean, the NFL, I don't know what's happening this year with the NFL with concussions, especially in this case, though, kind of like a, a Tua Tagovailoa situation. 
Him going down with a concussion, getting back up, looking woozy. The spotter wasn't able to spot it, I guess. I don't know what he was doing. He was looking at his phone or something. Didn't see him wobbling all over the field. Um, one of his teammates good. actually made it to where the referees stopped the game, to where they could come out and check him out and take him out of the game. Um, they went to concussion protocol. But Devontae Parker actually went off today on Twitter, I believe. Um, if I can find that picture, or if you can find that picture, that'd be great. There was a tweet that came out from from Devontae Parker about the NFL and not being coherent when it came to seeing his concussion, um, which we'll pull up that in just a moment because it was actually quite interesting. I believe that Albert Breer was the one who shared it on Twitter um, talking about Devontae Parker. Kurt, uh, Purdy's oblique injury happened on the second drive of the game. Okay, cool. So Purdy did get injured too, but he's he's still he's still fine. But yeah, I mean that could be a hindrance too as well moving forward for Brock, for Brock Purdy. But again, it's interesting. Brock Purdy's still going to be the uh, the starting quarterback there. Um, also, quarterback wise, when it comes to the Rams, if you thought there was a question about who was going to be the starting quarterback next week, um, the quarterback that that uh, Baker Mayfield replaced this past weekend. Um, he is not going to be starting because he got even more injured in that game. So Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback this coming up week. Um, so we'll see how the Rams do with Baker yeah. for a second. And I think I found the tweet that you're talking about. So <clears throat> Zach Cox from NESN, I don't know what that is, <laughs> said that the NFL and NFLPA are investigating why last night's Patriots Cardinals game wasn't suffered Devontae Parker's head injury. And Parker said, please tell me in a quote, read quote, retweet there was also there was also a story i believe he had shared albert oh. breer shared um and i think he also shared it too that reporter shared it as well um before that happened but there was a it was i think a black screen and it just had writing in the middle of the screen um from what he said there oh the only thing that i see is uh with that is from december 9th i don't see anything on his twitter at least that's with that granted i could just be probably could have deleted it and just was like yeah no I'll see you in a second as well. Um, but yeah, so with those injuries, there were a lot of injuries this weekend. I, the NFL, I'm sure they're going to be looking at concussions even further. Seen so many concussions. Up oh, your audio cut out. <laughs> I am going to Twitter, and that's the reason why my audio went out. So I'm not going to go to Twitter anymore. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I think that with these concussions, the NFL are just looking at games more closely these days, except for Devontae Parker. I don't know what happened there. Um, but that's the reason why we've had so many concussions. They've just been so, so cognizant of those injuries just to make sure that they don't have any, you know, anything happen that goes wrong, completely wrong, like it did with Tua again. I think that's the reason why we've seen so many concussion protocols. And also, you've seen a lot of players go into concussion protocol and actually miss a game. Which before, yeah. it used to be in concussion protocol, if you got injured on a Sunday, you probably were able to get back into the game by the next Sunday. You were yeah. usually cleared by Saturday. Um, but nowadays, though, it seems like you're getting cleared Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the following week after that for that next game. So um, not very good when it comes to injuries there, when it comes to concussions. And I'm sure the NFL will be looking more into it in the offseason. Um, John also says, was it right for the Falcons switching quarterbacks for this week? Because Marcus Mariota, um, 
after benching after bench he left the game do you know why i mean it was getting benched and his wife in labor at that moment i would have left too uh, he he left because of a knee injury as well john that's what was reported by arthur smith during his press conference this week um a a i believe he, they said a chronic knee injury that had not affected him up until this point um that's how he worded it but it looks like they don't know when marcus Marion will come back to the team he is there with his wife um so we'll see where that goes but i i think that yeah if, if you're getting benched like that i don't know if he was leaving because of his wife um because she was in labor that might be the case and that might be the reason why he left the game early but if he has a knee injury like that they might just go back to the locker room you know make sure they have some more tests with him things like that um there could be all sorts of issues i don't think there was really um i don't think arthur smith saw an issue with him going back to the locker room after that getting benched though so there's that um also john said oh karen chiming in welcome karen welcome to the show the bruins won in the shootout that's good to yes, see what? there um john also did you see the patriots player stop stopping the game because he noticed his teammate was clearly uh just had a concussion yes with Devontae yes. parker we did see that nelson Aguilar. nelson Aguilar. yep from the philadelphia eagles now with the uh patriots nfl player association has initiated an inquiry into why monday night's game wasn't stopped when new england patriots wide receiver Devontae parker showed concussion symptoms um, yeah, Nelson Aguilar was able to flag the referees down, make them stop the game. I mean, that, that that's a great move by Nelson Aguilar, too. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that we have players that are having to point out to the league, hey, this guy has a concussion or, or something's going on with this guy that's not normal because you would think that that spotter that's in, in the stadium when these things happen would be there to say, hey, let's stop the game. Or the referees would be, you know, there to visibly see that a play if a player is able to see another player be woozy or not looking right when he's on standing up on two legs, then you would think the referee would have the eyes to see that as well. But that's just me. Um, Chris also said, why didn't Parker sit, stay down either? Though, I mean, when you have a I mean, he was getting pulled up too. He was getting he got pulled up, and then when he got when he was lining back up, I mean, when you have a concussion, you're just kind of out of it. Like he, he just felt as though he could keep going. I mean, it's not really uh, with a concussion. We've, I've seen a lot of players do that before in the past as well. Just be like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But, I mean, they still get waived for concussion protocol. And then after that, they find out they do have a concussion. So um, different people react different ways when it comes to concussions. There are some players, kind of like Russell Wilson this past weekend, going down with his concussion. He was down for a few uh, a few seconds at least. Um, and that kind of led to them saying, okay, we need to – get him off the field and kind of test him and such. So, um, but then other players jump straight back up, say, I'm fine, go back out there, try to play. And, and it turns out that they shouldn't. So, um, and some players just go down, saying sub their teammates in. Well, they're, they're cracking down on that as well. They're having fines for teams and for players who do that. So I, I know there was situations past week. I'm not sure who it Jesse was. Bates. Who was it? It was the, I know Jesse Bates did it against Kansas City two weeks ago. Yes, yes, and there was a fine on the head coach, on the team, and the player as well, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, they're they're trying to mitigate that as quickly as possible when it comes to those fines. Um, hopefully they'll be able to do that. John also says, let's be honest, most teams do it, especially if it's a close game to stop the clock. 
Yeah, they do. That, and also, if there's a sub, like with ha- what happened with Kansas City, because didn't get a sub it in time, I'm just gonna go mm-hmm. down. I don't feel so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, again, I think the fine's gonna mitigate that a little bit at least, which will be nice moving forward. So, um, before we get going though, let's just talk about the standings real quick um, because we can do some recap stuff next week if we want to. Um, standings wise, so we put together our list of teams we thought were going to make the playoffs and at least one of them for each of us has gone off the board so far Denver Broncos are no longer in the chase for the playoffs unfortunately so Denver Broncos are gone so we have uh what is six other teams that we were looking at so on Tyler's side of things he had the Bengals Titans the Colts um which I think they're out of the they're not out of the playoffs yet but I think they're do you, want me to, do you want me to give you my whole? Do you want me to give you my whole one through five on what I had? Because I've got it written down right here. Sure, sure. One so, through five. So for pack, I'm gonna go. Do you want me to go AFC or NFC first? Um, let's go NFC. Uh, AFC. 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 I had the Bills number one, which right now I, they are number one. Mm-hmm. Chargers two, which right now they're at eight, so they could still make the playoffs as a wild card. They could. Titans three, which right now they're four, but they could leapfrog up to three, preferably. Mm-hmm. Bengals four. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, their five could get leads up into the winning their division. Chiefs six, which right now they're two, and I don't think they're going to be going any lower. Uh, Colts uh, six and Broncos seven. So that's two out of seven that are basically not going to be making it. Okay. One is already knocked out. And then for NFC, I have Packers <laughs> one, which I think they're going to probably be knocked out of the the the, the playoff this past this upcoming week. Eagles two, which right now they're number one. Saints three, which they're I don't know if they're making it at all. 49ers four, Bucks five, Vikings six, and Rams seven. Okay. So. Um, AFC wise for me, I had Steelers and Bengals making it, which Steelers still have a shot, but it's it's looking very, very yeah. grim for the Steelers so far. They're still in the hunt currently. I think they're one of the top three or four teams past the wider the wild card. Um, Titans going in. I had the Bills and Dolphins going in as well which they are both in, in position to get in the playoffs as well, and the Chargers and Broncos, which unfortunately the Chargers are not in that position. So as of right now, I have two teams that are out of the playoffs too when it comes to the Steelers and the Broncos. For the NFC side of things, we had the I had the Packers as well, so that's another team that we both had that will not be seeing the playoffs this year most likely. We'll see. Hey, they have, they have a 6% chance. So. Well, so 6%. you're telling me there's a chance. So tell me there's a me chance. There's a chance. Um, I have the Buccaneers and the Saints. Obviously, the Saints are probably not going to be sniffing the playoffs this year. Um, Cowboys, Eagles, Cardinals, and Rams. Which those are two other teams, Cardinals and Rams, who probably yep. won't be uh, won't be seeing the big show this year. Yep. Fortunately. Um, so NFC side, I didn't really do that well. But do we really think though that the Rams are going to have that meteoric fall? No, I don't think. Anyone. I mean, I knew they were going to have a fall. I, that's that's the one thing that I said. I knew they were going to have a fall, but I oh didn't yeah, think they weren't going to be as good as last year. But, but I just didn't think they were going to be this bad. Four and nine, like. Well, maybe Baker brings them back. Maybe Baker brings them back. Um, John says, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Kevin, chiming in." Kevin, welcome to the show. Um, Chris also said. And yet, soccer players get the bad rap on faking injuries. They're all just as bad. Yeah, soccer players are bad, but that's just the game of soccer. Yeah. I mean, that's just what they're known for. And and, in the NFL, you really didn't see many situations before 
probably I would say the past five years or so where players have gone down so easily. Yeah, I think five, ten like, years maybe. What was one? It was like a is it Chicago or 49ers where like the whole like three players on the defense just fainted surprisingly, and that was like the first real thought of doing that. And then it's like, oh well, now everybody does it every once in a while, but if you don't get fined, then yeah, what it wants it to you. But I mean, now they will, so we'll see how that yeah. that goes. Um, John says, standings wise, team I'm surprised is the Panthers with new head coach, no Baker, no Christian McCaffrey, and could possibly win their division. But Lions and Bucks going to be tough for them. The Detroit Lions, it's another team that we're going to talk about tonight too, uh, which we can you know finish up with them. The Detroit Lions have won the five of their last six games. Mm-hmm. Five of their last six, led by Jared Goff, who is two ninety of 444 for 3,352 yards this season. 22 touchdowns, seven seven interceptions. Um, And also, there was a story coming out of Detroit today that he is not considered a bridge quarterback. They're thinking that Jared Goff is their quarterback for the foreseeable future. Do you see that being the case with Jared Goff? I could see it. Right now, how old is the goofball Jared Goff? <laughs> I mean, he has to be like 29. He's 28. He's 28. 28. Okay, 28. So, 28. Okay, he's 28. He's still getting up there. He's, I think he's probably just now entering his prime. I still think this is going to be one of your last years where you can get a top pick because you have that Rams pick, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that you can get that are pretty good. I think if you, if you if if there's even a hint in your mind where it's like I want I he might not be the quarterback for us, draft a quarterback. I, that's my personal thoughts about it. Or if anything, if you're able to if you're able to get who's it Malik Hooker is the Tennessee quarterback. Oh, Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker. I don't know yeah, why I was thinking yeah. Malik Hooker. You were like in Malik Willis. Mostly. Malik Willis, yeah. But if you can get him later in the draft, like three, four, five, especially after his injury and sort of developing, he is a little bit older. Like, I, I would still say go for it. Like, you still need that backup. You have Tim Boyle as your backup quarterback right now, which being a Packer fan, I've seen him for the past few years, so he's not that very good. So might as well get somebody who's a little bit older, can develop behind Goff, especially if you do think he can win you games and make it so you have a chance to hopefully win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't want any good teams to make me like, oh, we made the playoffs and now we're done. Like, you still have got to have that end goal of winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, Hinton Hooker, again, is, we've talked about him several times, uh, uh, being a good late round draft pick because of his injury, unfortunately because of his injury. But uh, I think he would have probably gone in the first two or three rounds if he had not been injured. Uh, the last game of the season for him, or the, the second to last game of the season for the Tennessee Volunteers. But yeah, he's going to be a, va- a value pick, I think, at quarterback. I think that he can come back and play very well in the league. He is an older player, um, but I think he can still have a pretty successful a successful career in the league if, if he gets back healthy. Um, the Lions would be a good spot for him. I think that Jared Goff, uh, it, it's they have similar games. I'm not saying that Jared Goff is anywhere near Hendon Hooker because I think Hendon Hooker could probably be a better quarterback than Jared Goff is. But Hendon Hooker knows when to choose his spots to run. He's not he's not one of those quarterbacks that feels the pressure that he has to run out of the pocket. He usually stands in the pocket pretty pretty, pretty solidly. Um, 
he's a very good quarterback. I think that would be a good place for him. That's that's another good place, especially those young wide receivers they have there um, in Detroit. Amon Ross St. Brown is is a very good uh, very good wide receiver. He's already almost he I think he's like less than thirty yards away from hitting the yardage mark he hit last season in his rookie year, um, and he still has four games left. So I, I still think that he's gonna play, he's gonna be probably. 1200 yard wide receiver this year which in your second year is not a bad not a bad stat line for Monroe St. Brown um and that's with Jared Goff too yeah I mean and they and they just got Jameson Williams back from torn ACL so scored his first touchdown uh this past weekend which congrats to him but it again it's one of those things too where the Lions are a young team and I don't think a lot of people realize it obviously they need to work on their defense first and foremost I think that's going to be the one big thing in the draft but if you're able to get a late round quarterback uh Hendon Hooker even Will Levis I think will probably drop to maybe four or five I don't think he's gonna drop that far I don't think he I mean he could though here's the thing though we don't know about he the NFL, he could drop a lot of people do drop but it's like I think Malik or I keep on thinking Malik Willis Hendon Hooker is going to be like the sort of like key if we can get him in four or five range. I think that'll be a great value pick for the Lions, especially with the team they have around Jared Goff. If he's if he's able to replicate this performance or not next year, we'll have to see. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And also, John says uh, Lions losses have been pretty close mainly. Also, than hanging with the best teams. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanksgiving was one of those games that they hung in um, yeah. as well which was great for them, too, against the Bills. Um, John also says, and that was their last loss in the past six games as well, um, I think Chargers will make it because I don't think Pats will hold on to their spot. I don't think so either, especially with the, how anemic that offense is. Um, with Matt Patricia, I mean, yeah, that's just not going to be not going to be good for, for the Pats this season. I think they're going to probably figure out another offensive coordinator um, in the offseason because Matt Patricia is not that guy. Not that guy. Kevin uh, chiming in saying, would you rather have a pocket passer or a mobile quarterback if you were to be starting a team? Pocket passer can't run that well, and mobile quarterback can't pass that well. See, I am weird, and I don't want to have – I would much rather have a pocket, but I would much rather build the offensive line first than try to get a quarterback first. I would not go the Texans route. I would not go any of that. I would be like – First things first, I need that offensive line. I need those weapons, and then I'll get a quarterback. If I can get a complimentary quarterback that's, that can go along with this, I would much rather find one of those than somebody who's going to st- stay three years in the league and die because of injuries, basically. Yeah, and I mean, it also depends on who the mobile quarterback is. I mean, the most successful mobile quarterbacks are ones that have actually adapted to be more pocket passers and use their mobility sparingly. Those are the most successful quarterbacks. Um, Russell Wilson before this year, the reason why he was successful in Seattle is because he was able to pick and choose where he was going to run and not get hit. He, he always knew when to slide. He always knew when to get out of bounds quickly. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, too, is the same way. Patrick Mahomes, you don't ever see Patrick Mahomes get decked when he's running the ball for an extra few yards. You don't. You just don't see it. So, I mean, you pick and choose the spots you need to run. Um, if I was going to pick, if I had to pick one though, if I had to pick between a pocket passer who could not run and a mobile quarterback who could not throw, go with the pocket passer. Always. Pocket yeah. passer is going to win you games. And you can see it also with Tom Brady, the way that the game has changed in his, you know, 20 years of being in the league, that he's a pocket passer and he has been able to be successful everywhere he goes. 
Yeah. I mean, everywhere he goes because of the way he he learned how to throw the ball in the pocket and, you know, on occasion he'll run looking like a, you know, Tennessee walking horse, <laughs> like running at a snail's pace trying to get a first down, but um he he, he barely barely runs. Yeah, and he also knows when to when to when to move around the pocket, when to move, when to do all that stuff. And he's just like, he still keeps his eyes down the field and not just taking off for five yards. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, John says pocket passer. He believes that um, we've seen what happens to mobile quarterbacks, especially Lamar Jackson. And what did I tell you before, Tyler, at the beginning of the season about Lamar Jackson? I said, yeah, the Ravens will do well, probably, until Lamar Jackson gets injured again. Mm-hmm. And he has. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, he, he's out for at least one to three weeks. Yeah, so it's not very rough. good. Not very good for them. Um, Kevin said he would choose pocket passer as well. Kurt Warner, maybe the best mobile slash dual threat. Uh, no. Steve Kurt Young Warner was pretty good dual threat Steve as Young. well. Steve Young, John Elway, I can think of those guys. Brett Favre was probably, I would say Brett Favre was underrated mobility. Mm-hmm. But True. he just he just was like, F it, somebody's down there somewhere and just slowing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, chuck the, chuck the ball down the field, which, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, which Kevin brought that up, which we'll bring that up in a second. Aaron Rodgers is the same way, too. He's like, I'll just chuck it up and, and get it. I mean, not, not now he is a little bit, but early, like throughout the majority of his career, he was very much so – he knew when to run, when to when to do this. Yeah. He was very careful with the ball. Now he's just like, uh, F it. I really don't care anymore. Well, and I think when he realizes that the wide receivers that he has, and he, he has to run because obviously the wide receivers and the running backs aren't going to get the first down for him. So he feels like he has to do it himself. Um, John also says, or Mahomes, which Mahomes, I guess, modern day quarterback, probably say the best dual threat is probably Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin says... I think Aaron Rodgers is a great example of what you were just describing, Dylan. He's an underrated runner. Yes, he is. He's very—I mean, he, he's very mobile when he wants to be. When he's able actually. to stay, when he's able to actually be healthy. The past yes. few years, when he's been injured, he, he, he just can't run. But yeah. we've seen it before, where he's been healthy and he's been able to turn those games because he gets those five, six yards that's needed and is willing to put his body on the line for it. Yeah, and then also pocket passer for sure. If they can run halfway decent, then there's a bonus. But Manning and Brady are definitely known for their running abilities for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Michael Vick, John brings up as well. I think uh, he was more known for his running well, than his. He was more his known for his passing. Mobility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why everyone on Madden. What year was that? Madden oh, Madden six oh seven maybe. Madden Madden. I think it was Madden oh seven, where you just played Michael Vick and you were just always. Seven or Madden eight. It was it was Michael Vick on the cover, right? <laughs> yes, Michael Vick on the cover. When he was just a cheat code. Crazy. Madden 04. Madden 04. That's, that's when Vick was in that's right. when Vick was on the cover. I don't know if that's the <clears throat> Oh yeah, I think it is. That Madden 04 where Michael Vick was basically a god. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. You know who crazy knows? mobility. Yeah, you know who another player is that sort of got like that was very much of the human joystick because I just saw that on something. Apparently, the new nickname for Isaiah McKenzie, which is the the Buffalo Bills Nick uh, return man, is the human joystick. No, it's Dante Hall. Can we just not give that nickname to anybody else? Yeah, Dante Hall was good. Dante Hall was good. Um, and he also 
if there are players out there that are that notable that already have that nickname, figure out another nickname. Yeah, like I figured out. I've never heard anybody call Isaiah McKenzie the human joystick. No. Like when you think of the human joystick, you think of Dante Hall because of what he could do and he yeah, looked like yeah, the yeah. joystick. That's... Figure it out. Um Chris also says that's what made Michael Vick so great for those two seasons in Philadelphia. He learned to pass and could still run. Yeah. I mean, he did pass quite well in Philadelphia. Um, but it was just a very small sample size. Yeah. Very small sample size. John Sugg says Randall Cunningham. Um, Chris says Josh Allen. Anyone? Josh Allen, he's going to get himself hurt. He plays he like keeps, a linebacker if, if he runs. If he keeps playing the way he plays, especially when he runs the way he does, he's going to get himself hurt. That's the only thing about Josh Allen. He doesn't pick he doesn't pick and choose his runs strategically like you see with Russell Wilson, like you see with Patrick Mahomes, like like you see with these guys that know how to avoid getting hit. Josh Allen's just like I'm just going to bulldoze somebody because I'm I'm that Six, seven two stacked. stacked and just yeah. Yeah, stacked. Um yeah, I mean that's the only bad thing about Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen also, and Josh Allen Mahomes are the pillars of what you'd want in a quarterback in today's game. They can really do it all. No one else will be called the bus because that nickname is taken already. Yes, it is. Bus um, uh Chris, that was a good win tonight. Okay. Uh, Dante Culpepper, another name too. Before he was hurt and went to Miami. And talk about making the wrong decisions. Miami goes Culpepper over Breeze. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best uh, decision there. And then San Diego traded him away just, what, I think it was after his rookie year? It was either his rookie it was very or Very shortly year. after his, his rookie year is when Drew Brees got traded over to the uh, Saints instead. Which I think is funny, too. I think at one point the, the Chargers had Drew Brees, Eli Manning, and Phillip Rivers on the roster, right? At the same time, technically. Yep. And then they yep. traded away Eli and they traded away Drew Brees. Well, Eli didn't want to go there. Yeah, I know Eli. What did Eli, Eli, Eli called on draft night, and that that's that's so that story is just hysterical if you think about it. Just it's kind of like the story of Rob Gronkowski when he was gonna get Detroit. He was gonna get traded to Detroit he by the like, New England nah, Patriots. Yeah. He said, "No, I'm just gonna retire," and they never traded him. Like that story is unbelievable. But then watch back if you can find it. It's probably on NFL film somewhere on YouTube or something. When Eli gets called and says, "I don't want to go there." I don't want to go to Sandy. I want to go somewhere else. <laughs> they went to the Giants instead. Like that's just that's that's hysterical yeah. to me. So I was um, wrong. Kevin also says he has um, talking about Josh Allen. He has that frame for it though, but he definitely needs to slow it down if he wants a long career. Um, Chris said no. Rivers and Manning were in the same draft and traded for each other. So that yeah, makes sense. So, but yeah. still, it's very go go check it out if you haven't seen it before. Eli Manning talking about not going to San Diego and uh, going to New New York instead, which was very funny. Um, and Chris, they were never on the same roster. Yes. It'd be interesting to see, though, if Eli Manning would have had the same success in San Diego. I think Or if would Rivers would have had more success in, let's say, New York. I think if Manning goes to, goes to San Diego, I think they win a Super Bowl, win one or two Super Bowls. But if Rivers think, went to Giants? I think if Rivers went to Giants, I think they win one instead of the two. I can see that. 
but I don't know, because that defense for the San Diego was just never really all that good, whereas the defense for New York was just if like if they kept the same roster for each time and it was just Phillip Rivers instead of uh Eli Manning, I think it could have been very interesting to watch. I think Rivers in certain situations just got too emotional. He got too, he got in his head too much in certain games to make it to where he lost the big games when he was in San Diego. But I think Manning having that even keel that he does, I think that would have bode that would have boded well for him in San Diego if he was there. Yeah. Especially having the Antonio Gates Antonio Gates being there, being Antonio his Gates, main tight end. LT, too. Like, like, come on. I think Manning, LT, and Antonio Gates would have won you at least two Super Bowls. Oh, yeah. At least. Just crazy. Oh, crazy. Well, uh, thanks for watching this week, guys. Long show, but we appreciate you guys sticking around and watching. If you haven't done so already, go subscribe to us on YouTube. YouTube, subscribe to us. We're trying to get 500 followers or 500 subscribers before the end of the year. And we are counting down the days to the 31st of December. So feel free to go over there and subscribe to our channel. We'd really appreciate that. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube and Instagram as well. Um, and one other thing, tomorrow night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time right here on JDF Sports. Puck off with myself and Chris Nosick. We will be talking to you about everything going on in the NHL and also my rant about Eli Tol- Ellie Tolvanen and the National Predators organization flubbing that pick of Ellie Tolvin and Kevin saying later. Boys, you have something to say, Tyler? I I haven't watched hockey at all. I thought you were raising I was, your I hand. was doing this to be like, like, hey, yeah, go do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, straight, yes. Wait, go, go follow everywhere you see up there. Um, but, yeah, thanks for watching this week, guys, and we will talk to you right here next week, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, right here on JDF Sports. I'm sorry, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you. Sports. Bye.